my totally empty studio right now. My new yeah. studio. Oh yeah. How do you, how does it feel? It feels good. It's cool. I mean, it's crazy to have way more space. Yeah. And like by myself or whatever is a whole different world. It's cool. Yeah. I'm getting used to it. It's taking a little longer than I thought to get fully like operational, but it's yeah. the last couple of weeks. I feel like I've been on a pretty good roll. That makes sense. I feel like you have to ease into it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't really like having, I mean, I feel like I miss the community of having like a shared studio space, but I really like to not have people look at me when I'm making art. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever, you had one with other people? Not really. Only at like residencies and I, I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very different like uh, brain space. Yeah. I guess grad school kind of too. Like I just, if I go, if I'm going to work, I'm very like, not ready to do small talk and stuff like that too <laughs> yeah yeah you're clocking in yeah it just like I don't know I can I mean it's nice but I yeah I'm just like in a different mindset yeah yeah I feel like having a being able to like open a door and step in and then close it yeah close. And not know that you're not going to see someone else is pretty sweet yeah I like it that's my but before idea. the old space I was in was cool the people who were in there before like right at the end, the group was really good and it ended up feeling very natural. So mm -hmm. it wasn't the hardest transit or it wasn't like uncomfortable. Yeah. At that point. Was it that had been, I mean, it, occasionally it was like that in the past, but not re recently. Was that your like, was, did you have other studios in the city before that? I had a studio like right when I moved to the city in 2013 or something. I think I, subletted a studio in the South Bronx for a year. Wow. In the building, I can't remember who else is in there. It was a cool building, except the landlord's name was Steve. Mm -hmm. uh, he used to trade, he used to like speculate and trade art for rent with some people. Wow. Did not do for me, but uh, <laughs> it, it was a very sweet studio. And then I like got spoiled because it was private, mm. pretty big. Would you drive there? Yeah, or, or I'd take the six train. Mm -hmm. But I had a car then too, and I was commuting to teach. So it was like, I was ready to drive. I was already a driver. Mm -hmm. you, you seem pretty like, um, you seem pretty settled into your old studio. Like it felt like a well-oiled machine or something. Yeah, yeah, I had it. It started to feel very much like, um, you know, the feel that, like um, grandparents' basement workshops. <laughs> have, I mean, I don't think I actually have that reference point, but I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, I had so many friends with like uh, grandparents with these crazy basements that were like little, very rigged up wood jobs that were heavily used that I've always mm -hmm. loved to feel. I guess I my dad kind of had that. He had like he had a, he had like a computer workroom for his like jobby work, but he also had like a a wood shop workroom with like a vice and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, a, a bench top vice and like a outlined hammer or something on the wall. This yeah. kind of thing. 
and he had um in the work in the computer room he also had a soldering iron <laughs> that's to make some, make some circuits make some yeah he like made his own computer actually whoa yeah oh that's some serious Sorry, just making like a noise music <laughs> Kirby hack or something but that's uh, cool I wanted to establish for our listeners that we're not related. Yeah, good. But <laughs> we are, I'm sure, somewhere down the line. Yeah, we could be. Um, your mom followed me on Instagram, which I was very excited about. Keep <laughs> <laughs> the relevance together, see? Mm-hmm. As long as we share the name. Yeah, she's. Um, she just got an Instagram. That, um, that's like... Yeah, I don't have that any parental Instagram. It's brand new. I'm very down with it. Yeah. Your mom is like a really cool artist. Like I was thinking about how I guess my my mom made art in a kind of hobby capacity, I would say. Um yeah. but I'm kind of jealous of people with art parents. And I yeah. was wondering about what that was like for you like it feels like I mean it was definitely like it's the classic thing of like all I knew so it may it was pretty natural but looking back it's definitely kind of definitely a privileged experience or or something to be to having gone to like Whitney Biennials for since I was what you know like able to walk and I would have these like I had candy remnants from every time I saw that Felix Gonzalez Torres piece. And I had them for like 25 years worth of installations of that artwork still saved, which is pretty amazing. And I didn't, you know, as a kid, I didn't really understand the full thing. So when I got to college and I realized I had like, I understood what the piece was more fully. I was like, oh my God, that is the most incredible long-term little collection I have. So you were just like, ooh, candy, but then. <laughs> yeah, which I think is just so sweet about that piece is like, even not knowing you get to have something sweet with yeah. and have it inside or like with you and have that experience is very generous and kind of beautiful. Yeah, totally. It works on a lot of levels and it is really, um, it's, I don't, would you call it public art? I don't know, something about it feels, even though it's mostly seen indoors, it feels in a way more public art or something. Yeah, or like, um, I don't know if that's the right word either, but democratic or something in its access. Yeah, it's like actual, real social social practice or something, not yeah. in a funny way. <laughs> yeah, and hyper-personal and all that, I don't know. It's really yeah. a perfect, perfect little, perfect thing, I think. Yeah. But that, I also have this weird, vivid memory of seeing a biennial uh, when I was a kid, like a little kid. And there, I just remember, I have no idea who the artist was or what year it was, but there was just like a pedestal with a giant mountain of like pink dough <laughs> that people were like making little things out of and sticking it back on the giant mountain of pink dough. <laughs> I would love to know what that was. <laughs> Those are my two mm. big like... I'm a child art viewer experiences. It's funny how, I mean, I wouldn't say I, I didn't have that experience at all, although we did go to like MoMA and like both my parents are from New York. So we would go to museums sometimes, but 
there was like a thing called the um concourse in albany which is like this underground passageway that just had a lot of like 70s art and i felt like all of that art really like like there was a lee bontecu and stuff like that and it all just like really embedded in my consciousness or something yeah yeah that's cool and that's a cool moment to to have be the sticking point the 70s like lee bontecu yeah, cool. there's like Leah Bondecue, there's like a Robert Motherwell tapestry, there's a bunch of like really large like art mural size shit. It was, yeah, yeah, I'm into it. <laughs> That's cool. I remember going like, um, when I was a kid going to Soho and going up, like when Soho used to be kind of where all the galleries were. Mm -hmm. Psychotic staircases that were all on like a fifteen degree lean in those rickety old walk-ups, and there was like five flights. It was so sweet, mm. it was a pretty gallery viewing experience to like hike up these crooked old New York buildings. Yeah, I miss that. I'm glad that it feels like maybe galleries are starting to live in different architecture now, other than those like glass front, new build, Chelsea. I don't know, kind of hollow shell things. Yeah, that's what I, I feel like my new fave is going to uptown galleries for that reason. Like townhouse style. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw that Christopher Williams show at Zwerner Uptown, which <laughs> was a bar bizarre. I don't know, Zwerner openings are always pretty weird or something, but I, the, it was cool. I was very into the experience, that experience. I guess it is totally related, like residential. Yeah. Sort of bedroom thing. Christopher but, Williams, he's like that very, he's that photographer, right? Yeah. Yeah, his work is very strange. I'm not sure if I totally get it or not. I don't think I know enough about it. Yeah, it feels like it. you need to read something or... I can feel that he is... Um, a, tr a freak on a very specific frequency. Yeah. Which I like. To yeah. <laughs> I mean, perhaps one could say the same of you. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a different frequency, but certainly. Yeah. <laughs> like I was thinking that I thought, partly I want to interview you because I admire your work, but I feel like maybe it's very mysterious, I think. Like, I don't know if I totally, I, I mean, it, it resonates, but I wouldn't say that I know what it's about. Maybe it's not even about anything. Like I yeah. have a sense that it is very process driven. Um, totally. I mean, it's definitely, there is definitely like process driving it. And also like um, a kind of, it's not iterative making, but it's um, generative making from one to the next, to the next, to the next thing. Like I'm really driven by, and try to be awake and kind of um, present and conscious when I'm making decisions on each thing and I'm learning as I'm making and those things get me so juiced mm -hmm. because they open, they open out, especially when they're good or in my mind successful or like do the thing, do a thing that I like or was unexpected that I can, take it and follow it mm -hmm. uh, into another and then and then leave what didn't work behind or leave what was unfulfilling behind. But um, that's all kind of like maybe insular studio fuel stuff. But and everybody has that, I think, 
I'm into that stuff though. Like I'm really, I like knowing about that stuff. Like how does someone actually start a piece or yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I'm sure it's different for everyone, but I, I am a big believer in um, thinking deeply about what you're making, not just in the way that it points kind of outward into the world, but the way that it um, comes from you or relates to your hands or relates to your own kind of internal learning experience between you and the thing. Uh, and how that can be followed and how that can make work that's resonant. Maybe not um, nameable, it doesn't have as simple uh, or as direct of a line from it to the outside world or something, but it does um, talk to the outside world, I think. It, it maybe doesn't have an about as directly, but it has an it, it just is. Yeah. It, it is can resonate and be powerful or beautiful or um, grant a experience that is has it offers something, offers um, something new, creates new language, I don't know. These are things that I'm very into, like making things that um, create new language. Yeah. Or kind of like slang, slant language, or I don't know, something that's um, new to my eyes or new to my brain. Mm -hmm. I like that, and that's what I also like in other artists. There are artists who I think have like um, very alive studio practices that you can kind of feel it, I feel like. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, that was a good way of saying it, that I feel like it is outward and inward looking. And um, it is like, I think very much, it feels like you think physically, like it's not the cerebral thing that's translated into material, but it's actually like, yeah, like a physical language, maybe, which is something I don't know. I, um, it feels like related to objects and their usage in the world in some sense. But um, I don't know. Like I think about the kind of body-mind um, dichotomy or something, and I would say maybe it's more body than mind. Yeah, totally. I think. Yeah, and I think maybe actually those two things are synonymous or like for me, I put, I put them, I have trouble with things that don't, that I, that I, I don't know, that don't marry those two things or don't think okay. of those things as one because I think they are, and maybe in, in some circumstances, things that bother me and other things I see out in the world are when that one, um, is devalued in priority of the other or something. Mm -hmm. kind of crazy. Um, I was just talking to my coworker about um, that thing, this thing about like something that just is and something that is about, mm. which sounds like bad art school language, but I think it's kind of cool at the root of the idea. But the, and I was trying to explain it and I was like, I think it's harder, like we were talking about teaching it, teaching what that is because teaching presence or I don't know, these things that are real, but language circumvents them a little or, or misses them a little bit. The, um, but I was talking about, I was like, you know, it's harder to teach the, uh, uh, like an abstract idea of presence. And then I was thinking like, actually like it, it's not, that the idea isn't abstract. The idea is actually super vivid and real and as directly linked to our human experience as any other thing. 
um, and maybe even more so. So I, I was like, wow, it's weird that even in my head, I think it, I, like I'm kind of um, apologizing for it or something, or I'm turning it into something that is um, uh, muddier than it really is. Or yeah, um, totally. Like after I said that, I was like, oh yeah, totally. Like the mind is the body, and the body is the mind. Like they aren't. They aren't. It's not a dike. It's a false dichotomy. And it's yeah, really, it's totally. Like I don't know. That thing is so built. I think you are understanding of art making, I think. Yeah. Well, I, think, I feel like maybe too, because of grad school or maybe just because of the world that we value, I feel like culturally or as a society, we value the um, head or the idea more. Yeah. And or the direct line to the idea. Like if there is a very, and I'm totally, there's so many artists that do this so well and it has a really beautiful and important thing like people that are more cerebral makers or like idea these like very kind of about artworks that, that push on something very directly i'm totally into um but i think yeah that there is there can be that school academia pushes it, I think, especially having taught, I'm like, oh man, like the, every assignment that professors are giving are very much about this very specific type of generating an artwork. And there's the, an artwork is so much broad, can be so much broader than that, the way you get to an artwork. Yeah, and even like, um, like cultivating, I feel like I keep talking about this in different ways with other people, but like cultivating, not knowing yeah yeah to stimulate the next thing yeah yeah it's of course scary though I and mean, it is a scary place i think i don't yeah, know that's, I like it is yeah but it's also like the juiciest place yeah it's like the most yeah. fun place if you're already like reiterating what you already know for me that's when I start to, when I look at the thing I made and I'm like, oh man, it's so fucking like dead. It's so dead or like <laughs> overworked or I don't know. It's because I'm like reiterating. I mean that, you know, reiterating is something larger that I know already. Not right. necessarily like, like I sand, every, sand something in every piece, it's, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like if I kind of reiterate or the source it might, or if I don't um, follow a really, um, um the the impulse to make the thing doesn't is influenced or affected or something that's when i'm like ah fuck it like that mm -hmm. feels yeah. wrong. or yeah. the end of the game feels wrong right like not i think it's very um zen actually <laughs> have, yeah. you ever, have you ever heard of this book zen mind beginner's mind i think i have it <laughs> i haven't read it but i have it's, who is it by well Oh, I'm forgetting his name. He's like a Japanese man. <laughs> it's really good. Like, I think, and it talks about art, like in passing a few times, but it's very much about that, like not having, just doing the thing and not having any goal kind of like. Yeah. That the, the um, I think that sometimes things, or all for me, all times, if I'm blindly, if I'm like not seeing the thing I'm making or not looking at and responding to and leaving room for 
this thing moving from some sort of idea to an actual physical thing and knowing that the thing I have in my brain is different than the thing it will be for sure, regardless of how good I am at fabricating or whatever, like that, that openness is really weird and kind of hard, but is what makes the, what my, the, my favorite things that I've made or like the things that feel truest or most vivid or um, most resonant for me that they have, the, they have real presence because I've been like, responsive to them and thinking about them in, in a, as a real thing, not just an idea that I'm fabricating. Yeah, that's- To fabricating towards or something. Yeah, I like that um, talking about presence to like, that's the best feeling when you're really in it. Like that. Yeah, and when the thing, when you like leave it, and the thing holds it or whatever, the thing mm -hmm. gains it something or can, yeah. you know, is like so crazy. <laughs> like if you like take it out of your studio and put it up somewhere and then you're like, oh my God, it's like doing it, it's doing something. It's, yeah. it's got like energy, it's got something um, that I embedded into it outside of just like depiction or translation or I don't know. Like, yeah, like, like that it, draws presence or um encourages presence in other people too yeah yeah i feel like i don't know yeah that's what gets me juiced and maybe that experience i mean obviously that experience would be different for me having made it and then spent 600 trillion hours with it and then seeing it out versus somebody seeing it for the first time but yeah again i feel like the thing you have to give yourself the fuel yeah and that's some of the fuel well that's i think what is interesting about your work is like there's a lot of room for the viewer in yeah. it. like or even maybe like i was thinking i wonder how much you yourself understand what you're making totally like, yeah i think i do in some really important i mean i think i understand i'm trying to find a healthy balance I think I think not understanding is super important for me and what I'm making and continuing to like be a seeker yeah um but yeah I feel like there's things I understand and I'm coming to understand more and more the more I make especially as I feel like I'm I'm developing more trust I don't know I mean you know you think these things are like you're like an undergrad or something you're like 21 and you're making these things that you think are like seminal and then it's like fucking 15 years later and you're like, oh, like you're understanding these tiny yeah. things about how you conceive of something or like what you like mm -hmm. about making because you're contending and with the outside world and you're living in the outside, you're living in the world too. I don't know, it's um, bizarre, but I feel like I'm starting to understand things, some things as I'm getting older and, um, keep making these things I'm understanding th some things a little more mm -hmm. in, a, in a newer way it's, I shifted materials kind of I made some shifts in the last like three years to how I was making things and thinking about them and gave myself a lot more freedom I feel like and shed a bunch of stuff that I think maybe was holding me back holding the work back and it is making me feel like I'm seeing what I'm making a little more clearly and it's more fun. Yeah. 
That's good. Yeah, I was looking at your website a bit just to like do a little light research and noticing how much, yeah, like these different bodies of work don't really resemble each other at all. And They're super schizophrenic. Oh, yeah, I feel like people, that can be a, I'm, I met, you know, cause I'm like, if I'm like curating and I'm seeing somebody mm -hmm. with completely schizophrenic um, history of work or whatever, or completely not schizophrenic, but um, kind of obtuse uh, body of work over 10 years, I'm like, oh, whoa, what is going on? I, I don't think it's a bad thing, but it is definitely like, oh, whoa. Yeah. Uh, this I is a wild thing. I don't like, I mean, I feel like that a lot too. I don't know. Sometimes I think we like exacerbate our own, like, I don't know. I mean, definitely you're not a person that has this one thing that you do over and over, but somehow yeah. it feels contingent, like it does, it is contingent and it feel, it doesn't feel like so, it doesn't feel like a problem to me, but I, I understand the feeling of worrying about that also. <laughs> yeah, I try not, I just don't think about it. Yeah. Is my, is my um, is how I uh, how I avoid it. Is I just because I I care much more about like following doing this like following one thing to the next and staying energized in the studio about yeah. what I'm making because I I don't know I don't care like I don't care if people think I'm um, making all over the place like that's okay. And actually, like great, you you know, like great artists that yeah, I think my yeah, my favorite artists are very um maverick or whatever, and um, I think it speaks to your integrity of following your impulses and stuff. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um. Thanks. <laughs> um. It's, it's, it's weird. Wait. What? It's a hard, it's a learned thing to learn. I'm sorry. Yeah. It's like in the process of being learned. Yeah. And maybe like, like trusting yourself, like you said, but maybe also trusting that eventually there'll be a kind of master narrative that will make sense or something. Yeah. I, one time, well, actually it's really annoying when people um, talk about their dreams, but I had this dream that were just very short synopsis, but I just walked into this room and, and it was at the college I used to teach at and it's just this huge auditorium room that's completely empty. And in the dream, I walked into it and in the dream, every single thing that I had made since I was like 20 was in the room. Wow. And it was insane. It was like a full brain retrospective or so, or like a <laughs> um, unconscious retrospective. It was cool. And it worked. And how did you feel? You felt, did you have the feeling of having like a pride of retrospective? Yeah, I thought, it, I remember being like, this looks awesome. <laughs> That's cool. That sounds like a great dream. This is the best dream. I think about, yeah, retrospectives a lot. I feel like I, have a, I would like to have one. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I am totally open to dreams also. Like, I mean, I'm in psychoanalysis and I like write down yeah. and talk about my dreams all the time. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Actually, I was thinking, yeah, like I was thinking about dreams a little bit with your work too, like maybe even like you could fit 
in the category of surrealism or something. I don't, um, I don't, I mean, not that I would, it was just something I thought of today, but um, the, the strangeness of some of, I don't know. And maybe they're close, the thing that maybe hits close to that kind of note is their closest to closeness to, sometimes they're very close to nameable objects or they steal mm. from the form of a, you know, common vernacular or something. And then they, I, I, I kind of like bump around inside of that. Yeah. And I, I think maybe that is related to surrealism or like, but materially they're much more related to maybe Arte Povera or like, Mm. something like that I don't know mm -hmm. the newer stuff I guess yeah the synthetic I want to talk about the newer stuff but I thought maybe we could try to talk slightly chronologically like I was yeah. thinking about um I think the first work of yours I saw was this like Snoopy stuff and yeah. I remember like maybe having like a conversation with you where um I don't know, I feel like we were saying like, just because there's a recognizable image in it, that doesn't mean that's what it's about or something. Yeah. And um, um, I think you did some like Chester Cheeto stuff too. <laughs> I did a Pink Panther thing. Oh yeah, I had this I had this crazy, I do have a Chester Cheeto stuffed animal that's in, in this closet in front of me that I like wrapped really with this knotting wrapping process, like totally completely wrapped it with twine. Mm -hmm. really exactly and then I loaded it with um iron filings and then I, I rusted the iron filings that were embedded or I soaked it so it was like ready to oh, what was it? I soaked it and then I um covered it in iron filings and then it rusted insanely and just turned into this bizarre orange <laughs> or rust orange Chester Cheeto that was completely bound <laughs> and it has never left my studio and never will no. In there, it's like a little like uh, mascot or something. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I brought it. I brought it to no place when we had that show, and we <laughs> we like put it on the crown, and everybody's like, "Oh man, I don't, I don't know about that." <laughs> it's like in a think of its own. <laughs> yeah, maybe it needs a whole gallery. It needs more square footage. That would be cool if you just had a show, and that was the only. Thing. <laughs> one object yeah I'm very into one object shows yeah maybe. but it might just be one of those things that I have a bunch of that kind of thing like things I make and then they just stay like they're not outside of the studio things they're just inside of the studio mm. what do you think can you um what do you think like make something get released from the studio. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, obviously I tried with the Chester Cheeto at no place and then immediately was like, yep, oh, nope, that is, that was the wrong call. <laughs> I feel like now you can say it's like about Trump or something. Yeah, that's right. I should bring it to, I should like um, light it on fire in front of Trump Tower or something. <laughs> a little sacrifice. A saging. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I don't know. I don't know what that is. It just is. Um, sometimes I make a thing and I think it's a stepping stone to the thing that is a more resolved object. And I can just be okay with that. Like it's just yeah. a part of the process of getting somewhere new. Mm -hmm. And that happens sometimes. And sometimes I like, it takes a while for me to understand that it actually, and I've like shown stuff that I, in retrospect, have been like, oh, that, 
was actually just the mm. thing to get to the next, but I didn't wasn't able to see it at that point. Yeah. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That so like giving yourself full range but then maybe editing. Yeah, for sure. Trying to. <laughs> Which is even harder because <laughs> Did that, so like from the Snoopies, did you then go to the um, Gord stuff or was was that kind of the next big major area? Snoopy, all that Snoopy wall stuff, I had that like show in Korea. Oh yeah, I, oh, Snoopy. actually the wigs too. The wigs kind of get the weird like wig drawing things, like hair with plastic, with wire, with steel, with paint. Yeah. Those were, Kind of happening simultaneously, I guess. But the Snoopy image came before. I think maybe I'm, I'm trying to figure out. Like, I think I was trying to use the Snoopy in the way that other artists use, like a grid. Or something. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? As this thing that can hold. Yeah. And, like and a be a yeah, be like a vessel, and then plug the vessel full. Mm -hmm. um, which I think works and does not work in the, in some ways but definitely hammered it pretty hard for a while um, in the in the with the brain of thinking that like um iteration with that mindset creates more makes it more powerful like the more right. like the repetition of it yeah that's like how logos work kind of yeah but i'm i think that's maybe for me right now i'm like oh that's so boring or something or i don't know it's like yeah well it definitely yeah. didn't seem like it it definitely didn't seem like just like straightforward in some like way yeah i mean i can't quite put my finger on why but it felt like something else was going on yeah for sure i think so i think so and i think i'm always interested in um maybe courting representation mm -hmm. and I think that I, that was a way that I was like satisfying an urge to and I love image I love like that I love cartoon and I think it's pretty a huge a pretty powerful zone of exploration but I think it was a way to court representation and let it be a a place that I could like a grit, like a container. Yeah. That was very, that was like totally ubiquitous that I could fill and empty and warp or whatever mm -hmm. and have the bounds of that thing hold it. Mm -hmm. I think it was what was driving that and it felt kind of good to have that. Um, but then it stopped feeling good. Oh, sorry, I cut you off. But I was wondering if you, did you have any like personal relationship to Snoopy or was it kind of random? I just had the same relationship that I think tons of people have with that, with Snoopy, which is you grow, I grew up with Snoopy. Yeah. In um, Schultz and cartoon, in Sunday morning cartoon or, or um, comic strips or whatever, for sure. I mean, I had a much tighter and more intimate relationship with Archie comics. I read them insanely growing up, like so many. I have so many still. And they're uh, objectively bad <laughs> and deeply redundant, like centuries, like decades of redundancy. 
They're just like teenagers that hang out together. It's suburban teens. <laughs> Hi, Jinx. <laughs> yeah, I feel like, I mean, actually, like, Snoopy's like a kind of, he's a mysterious figure, if he even is. Like, he, um, yeah, right. He seems like slightly subversive, but, but like, he doesn't really give that much, or I don't know. Yeah. I agree. I think, and, and I think Schultz is the same way. Like, I think that there is subversion in those. But they're also just like, I think maybe I was more interested in just ubiquity. Yeah. Right. That something can be so present, it can dissolve and be kind of re-engineered in any way. It just turns to like water. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Can be anything. Like yeah. Yeah. I think maybe that was in my brain while I was, you know, uh, testing, testing inside of Snoopy's mm -hmm. form. But I think I had like, I think I did those wall, I did these, that huge wall Snoopy that was at Bernie and Griffin. And then I did these, those like plastic ones. Mm -hmm. But then I feel like I had that, was in that group show at um, the pit. And I made these like, four little objects. One was that, that like basin that had a water in it and had a little horse that floated mm -hmm. in the water as a field. But I made this gourd Snoopy thing. Right, yeah, that was like a crossover kind of. Yeah, and I think I sort of like, that's when I, the material thing, I was like so excited about the bamboo around the outside of that horse thing and the, the way that the material conversation and the thing it made could be much more bizarre. So that actually like materials that were less synthetic were juicier. Yeah. More fun or complicated the thing more intensely. Mm -hmm. And were, I liked working with them more. I was like very satisfied to be working with them and not this, these synthetic materials because I had been also making those hair things at the same time, which is such a fucking sticky, solventy process and it, I was like ah it was like nice to make something out of wood or I don't know much yeah. different quality right there I mean with the wig stuff I mean they don't even resemble wigs like when you're done with them they yeah. they're almost like painterly or I don't know they're very like colorful and um attractive and wall hanging but they're like they reminded me of like um like a nervous system or like kind of like i don't know the interior of lungs or something like that or maybe a signature yeah. yeah totally i mean they have that some of that is just based on the kind of alchemy of the way that i the, the way the materials come together and the way that i kind of like had to go to war with them a little bit, you know, like, cause they, all of those materials are, I mean, it's weave, it's like, or it's like wig hair yeah. loaded with epoxy laid out on a board. The epoxy's that's, I pop it off. I weld an armature for the back cause it wants to warp. And uh -huh. then I like brush it with 6 trillion layers of different plastic and the transparency and opacity of the plastic make this thing, but also the edges become these weird, like crispy kind of yeah. lobster claw -y things. And then after that, I like was putting this bailing wire on top as this kind of like drawing 
line mm -hmm. that I thought pushed back on the melting this kind of gravitational thing that the plastic could do where it was like ooh marbly well well I, I didn't like the lack of specificity in some of that and I thought that I could be really intentional and just like rip, like drop this uh, wire line across the face of it and it would mm -hmm. take some power away from the drippy marbly thing yeah yeah I feel like um they're kind of psychedelic or something yeah Totally. But then, in a way, gourds are kind of psychedelic too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know if I. Yeah, I don't know if I have anything to say about the gourds, but I like them. <laughs> the gourd, which gourds? The ones I painted, the the ones with like patterns on them. Oh, I don't even remember those ones. Like. I, I, feel, I felt like you were working with them in different capacities for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I definitely, I don't know if I ever let those, those are fully sitting next to the Cheeto right now. <laughs> Mr. Cheeto. But I think I'm gonna use them for something in the future. Yeah. Um, but I have them. Yeah, I like those things. That was also a little like, I mean, that was obviously directly the next step after the Gord Snoopy. But that wasn't a real gourd. I I like made it. Oh, but then you were using real gourds too. Right? Yeah. yeah. Funny. <laughs> I made some gourd Christmas ornament. I had a gourd moment as a young person. <laughs> they're so cool. Yeah, they're so weird. <laughs> they're so bizarre, and the fact that you can like dry them. I don't know. They're insane. You could also like. They're pretty. First, they're pretty. Um, Dense. They're like what you could like tool that you like tap a thread into them or something. Exactly. <laughs> like like people may like drums and like water drinking. Yeah. Stuff out of them. I'm looking at one right now. They're so <laughs> but when you have material like that, it's so hard. Like in my mind, I that is a really hard thing to use because it itself is pretty perfect. Is perfect or something. Right. And I'm like, I don't. What am I gonna like? I've painted them and I was like, oh. I don't know, like the, the real thing is better, actually. Mm -hmm. Like how to make it your own. Or give it power yeah. and not take strip power from the real thing. Right. Because otherwise, I'll just look at the real Gordon. <laughs> but which is why they're sitting in there. I'm going to use them, and I think they will work better as a part of a larger thing. Yeah. Um, and then, so then I feel like you were doing these more like, just like wild combinations of different materials kind of right that weren't it wasn't like any one thing that was defining them yeah yeah i think i like um the next set of things i'm looking at them <laughs> i think i was really into the the way that that wooden uh, that field thing piece i made with the water and the horse the bamboo i used yeah uh, I found that really gratifying to make and I was like oh I should give myself more of that mm -hmm. and I had these um, that was all of these like an accumulation of the same bend in like a trillion uh, or like probably a hundred pieces of bamboo and I liked the accumulation of the linear thing mm -hmm. and how that in its accumulation slowly made 
a completely new form. Like that it really, I, mean, I guess maybe I'm very into linear materials. Even the really early like outline cartoon stuff, I was always into linear, these accumulation of linear events in an object or something. So I like made that form that was all of those rolled pieces of financial times. Yeah. I'm intrigued by this stuff with the financial times. Like it it's feels, pink. what's that? It's pink. Mm, I it's like pink things. It's mean to me that they dyed it pink. They did. Yeah, it's dyed pink because there's, it's financial times and then there's like another financial newspaper. I think it's like financial weekly or something like that. That's a regular newsprint. And so to set themselves apart, they tint the newsprint pink, which I think is like, so simple and beautiful and genius. Yeah, it's a really interesting color choice too. Yeah, it's great. It's like the best, yeah. Newsprint itself is already so beautiful and then it slightly pink turns out even better. <laughs> it seems some actually I've been like reading or listening to different kind of like intense like liberal people that are also critical of liberalism and stuff and I feel like someone was saying the financial times is really good to read in a way because it's like so the like raw material of like it doesn't try to spin it in a way or something uh, but it's data data driven it's like the yeah it's like the raw material it's the raw language of capitalism or something yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the bra the gray matter of the brain or something. Yeah, um, but it seems so. Like I feel like it seems like such a loaded material in a way, but then the way you use it is very. It's not. It doesn't like. It feels. I don't know what you're doing with this exactly, but it's like definitely not just like the capitalism or I don't know. Yeah, I'm not like presenting it. Um, I'm not like framing the front page or something. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I like I like that um, a material like that can be all of those things, and mm -hmm. I'm okay with it. Be like using something that's kind of charged. I do think that like I don't know if it, I I think that that's the object can hold it, and yeah. the the material like using something that's kind of sinister, like that has some sinister thing living inside of it, and then just like working it. I mean, it does like, I think there's 120 rolled pieces and I'm just like working it. It's kind of the way that you would, um, it's almost like washing it or cleansing right. it or, cleansing. Um, yeah. I like that idea, like it's alchemy. Yeah, I'm like, wow, I'm really sounding very new agey, but I, I do kind of believe in that, or I think that I am interested in, letting that the the larger thing like financial times being a sinister thing and an icon of capital a type of capitalism is interesting to me and then um rolling it and sticking it into this cast hay there's like hay inside that cast tube inside a broomstick which is another like type of labor and then there's like uh the end of each of the pages is singed i don't know like this kind of like relentlessly worked object. Uh, yeah. I feel like it makes it, I like that relationship. Right. But I don't, I actually think that that for me is more interesting than um, the more direct route. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it almost becomes like ritualistic or something. Totally. Yeah. Which I think maybe 
a lot of invested making always does that gets to that point mm -hmm. to some degree, but yeah, as a, as a kind of cleansing or something, um, mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, feels like sculpture is very different than painting in that way of like, there is a lot of just like labor that, where you maybe have already made a decision that you just have to like carry That's out or something. Yeah, it's funny thinking about that, like talking about that in relationship to, like what I said before about like following a thing and being awake to the thing that I think there's a, balance between when you have to like put your head down for me for the things that I make like I have to put my head down sometimes and just like genuinely work for like eight hours on a thing yeah. not always fun like rolling the paper does get to this place that is very very kind of like um out of body where you're just like you're yeah. just like repeating this action which I really love um but then like you know like sanding stuff or all of it can get to that place but sometimes it is labor yeah labor which i also like yeah i feel like i mean my undergrad degrees in sculpture but though my work was never incredibly labor intensive <laughs> yeah not all sculpture has to do that obviously is like that but like yeah. but in a way i like um it seems satisfying like it feels like i'm sure you feel very productive after a day of that or something <laughs> <laughs> or the totally not or I like leave and I I have like um a little pile of like 20 pieces of rolled paper which is a thing I you know you're like walking away from the studio and think about the eight hours you just spent and it's um rolled newsprint yeah <laughs> which I'm fine you know it's fine but it's crazy outside of uh the little world inside yeah here. right like that as labor would not make sense in many context <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but, yeah. but also wait what go ahead sorry oh well, i mean i don't i mean i don't think it doesn't seem like you're doing it though to make a statement about labor or something either no it's to get it's just to get to the thing because i actually think that um this thing i was talking about before about like um making a, a, an object that creates its own language creates new language in some capacity like makes some kind of new thing for my eyes or someone else's eyes uh the way that i feel like i can get there is by manipulating material to the point where it becomes something new like just and this is the thing that we i when i was teaching form study we would do this i would like mantra this all the time that like sometimes to get to the thing you have to like embed new specificity into it through your hand you like have to make it yours and not the world's yeah. and you do that by like touching it and and making a decision and following it mm -hmm. until it gain until it becomes something new right. and then that's when you get into the zone of new language yeah. you start to like make something that is not redundant and i think that i'm very into that and i like that i'm very gratified by that experience of like okay so i commit to this thing and i make a hundred uh and then and then that is actually something brand new or that is a new material in its quantity in its presence in its manipulation then i use that thing and apply it to the object or whatever so in that case like did you 
start that with knowing with like being attracted to these financial times and and kind of figuring out well what could I do with this kind of a thing yeah I think I yes you know I think I was um I made that little charcoal paper wood stove form uh -huh. the way I make those is the armature like the thing it's all paper but the armature that holds it is rolled paper because rolled uh -huh. paper is like super strong if you uh -huh. roll it really tight uh and so <laughs> I had all of these things that I had rolled all of these tubes of paper and I was like that material is incredible just that actually mm -hmm. um not just as armature but as its own thing mm -hmm. um, and I think maybe that was how I began to conceive of that object I was like really loved just that thing, this like super tight cylinder, mm -hmm. linear material, mm -hmm. financial time, <laughs> thick. So the stoves, yeah, you have like a couple little stoves on your website, like. Yeah. I'm just looking at them now. Um, yeah, these are like the newest stuff, right? Pretty or, much, yeah, pretty much. And they are very, intriguing like i don't know um so those you are kind of there, there's representation there but it's um, yeah this is i'm like courting it again a little yeah. bit uh, i think maybe in a better way or something in a way that i feel like is richer but mm -hmm. even now i'm like making a bunch of new paper forms and they are pushing back away from representation i mean they're using kind of representational things to start but now i'm tweaking it a little bit uh, mm -hmm. but i am into these objects that like a st I'm, i like that the stove the really simple thing is the stove is made of paper which is kind of a pretty thing that everything can just be reduced to carbon mm -hmm. it's super delicate and kind of um fragile but the object itself the form is very um dense or something and it's implied utility is really intense also mm -hmm. uh, i like that combo and that it's a site of like a state change like yeah. wood i like those objects that facilitate that um yeah that's what i was thinking about is like a place of transformation yeah and and um really human utility like to make warmth yeah, right yeah. i feel like that feels like a running note throughout your work in a way of like like um i don't know if a stove is a simple machine but some like some resonance with like basic mm, objects of civilization or something along those lines yeah i like that i like those areas of form or whatever because I feel like there's something very there's something um it always comes back you know there's there's forms and, and tools and, and utilitarian things that like a cantilever or like a lever or a fulcrum mm -hmm. or any of these things are like the 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 foundational building blocks of all of civilization on all of all levels even in modern mechanics and stuff yeah well cool. I like that yeah. I don't know, like I don't know if that's like embedded in the work, but I like I'm drawn to forms like that and tools like that. Yeah. Um, I think they're they ha have some power. Yeah. Just like, it, like 
has, it feels like it alludes to some universality or something too. Yeah, totally. And the stoves also, I don't know if you, like the paper, it feels like it implies it could have a kind of self-destructive thing or like it could, you know, if it actually were to be warming something, it would be burning itself. Uh, yeah, I feel like it like dangerously walks this kind of dumb sculpture line. It's like, um, it's almost a trompe l'oeil thing. Mm -hmm. It almost falls into some shitty territory or stuff, like very easy um, juxtaposition territory, but I feel like maybe it breaks through that. Or I'm, yeah, or I, no, I think uh, it does. It feels witchy or something. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's um, it, in real life is um feels wonky and delicate and kind of um uh unstirred uh, it, it's not really grounded you know mm -hmm. i mean it's literally just paper holding this thing up so it's really tense yeah and i like that it's uh, it's fragile in that way but also fragile in its relationship to the to heat or whatever that it really and the fact that it could become nothing much faster than like anything I have in this studio. Like it could really just be dust in like three <laughs> seconds. And the, and you know, the dry pigment on top mm. reiterates that a little bit or something. Mm, that's sweet. It makes me feel bad for it kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's a little sad or something. <laughs> it seems, then I'm like, oh, it's about mortality or something. <laughs> it's nice to make, you know, I've made, it, it's nice to make things that are delicate or something. I feel like that's delicate in that way. Like all these things are delicate and they always fucking break <laughs> every time I try to exhibit them. And, but they, um, you know, I have like all these metal forms. I've been like making things out of steel at the same time. I, that is some weird impulse that I'm having, but the, um, those things have such different presence than the paper for it. Like I, it's really nice to make something that feels um delicate yeah like presence is very um de yeah delicate can't think of a better word yeah i like that it's a it little more tender yeah like it made me think of a cat or something maybe because i always think about cats but like <laughs> yeah cat is like always on edge kind of and and a bit like unstable or something. Yeah, yeah, totally. Or even just like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of emphasis. Like one of the reasons I never made any outdoor work is because I don't know how to make something durable and like that thing would only be able to exist indoors kind yeah, of. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there is a kind of like, uh, there's a lot of sculpture that leans on its mm, weight or not weight but like longevity or ability to be like dur durable in the same way or that it is like its presence is based on weight or yeah like on, heavy and it's like yeah, rugged <laughs> big yeah and i like making these things that are like barely shippable yeah it's probably like I'm, I'm probably like shooting myself in the foot but they're like I guess James just brought one to Nobles in there, so it made it to Columbus and oh, it fell apart. So they're yeah. not that delicate. Yeah, that's reassuring. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I, I like the impulse of it. Yeah, I feel like um, 
um, now maybe more than ever is I really like making tender or it feels good to make something that's a more tender object mm-hmm. or something. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> They're super thin. They feel like um, uh, like rice paper windows or something is what they feel like to me. Oh, that's interesting. Do you know um? Do you know Noguchi's la- lights or lamps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I they have that. a little bit of that. Yeah, thing. I was reading about them recently. I I worked in the I worked in the they're called Akari, and I worked at that part of the museum for like six months, like twenty years ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, and I was just looking them up, and he wanted them to feel very like vulnerable and like kind of weightless and like yeah yeah there's something um that their relationship with the outside world is less secure yeah like which resolute i thought he had like a whole list or not a whole list but like a handful of like very like soft words that he yeah yeah. (laughs) i feel like i'm searching for that word and i don't yeah yeah but I like also, I mean, maybe another thing I kind of share with the, with the work you're making is like something that kind of bridges the, bridges being functional and asserting itself as like a sculpture or something. Like you call them light sculptures rather than lamps, but they are totally fancy lamps also. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. I think that there, I, I think sculpture has an ability, a unique ability to poke into that world in really interesting ways mm-hmm. uh, and I'm into occasionally like dipping in. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever, like, I mean, those stoves are not functional, but have you made things that are more functional? We've definitely made, I've made stuff for my apartment. Yeah. <laughs> I like the bed frame. I've made bookshelves and shelves and stuff, which I'm into doing. Yeah. I used to do that as a job. I worked at a wood shop for a while when I got out of grad school. Mm-hmm. And that was super good and hard. <laughs> and I learned a ton more than any other job, I think. But um, I guess that's where sanding can get really zen. <laughs> really sanding someone's kitchen for like eight hours. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I've made like, or I guess, you know what? I made that, um, I made the upside down swan, swan which I think the only time it's it's not hasn't had lotion in it yet it's only had tequila for for, uh the original intent was for it to be lotion though be like you like pump this thing out of this swan body swan form in like a death death pose or something and if you like soften your hands with it I like that but then um Claire and Vanessa, who did Sorry Archive, that publication, were, were closing it down and they had a party at Signal and we've just filled it with tequila and had shots out of it, which was. I mean, that's, that's legit function. It worked great. Also, then it reminds me you did these at um, No Place, you had like kind of chandelier esque things. All yeah, I guess that. I made that feather fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I made spinny th- spinning things. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever made like, I made a toilet paper holder. These aren't, they, they wouldn't go to like an exhibition, but I've made a handful of 
toilet paper holders as presents. That's cute. I can make you one, yeah, it's a boot. Oh. It's like this boot with a one. <laughs> I wonder if I have the, I don't know, I don't have one. <laughs> Do you care about like, um, like when you, get a material do you care about it having like a history or something like mm, sometimes I'm into I like that I'm pretty like material obsessed so yeah I yeah I'm totally interested in that I don't know if I'm always driven by that choice but I have been and can be but I definitely um can get pulled pulled by that like the the hay that I use is from this field on in Connecticut that is this like that it's um little bluegrass it's not indigenous to Connecticut but was brought over um by indigenous people from another part of the U.S. while they were camping or like settled there in that zone and it's just this one field in Connecticut that's filled with it um and it like persists and is um that's a very healthy hay that lives in this field. And it, I love that, that it is like, uh, I just love that thing. I love that it exists. I love that it is, a, it's like an immigrant or so. It's like a material immigrant to this field in Connecticut. I think it's really beautiful. Um, and so I like that. I mean, that's kind of just for me in the object, but I've drawn to it and I, it's also totally a linear material. Again, it's like this, um, but I like harvested some of it and used it in these things in that like cross form. That's what that hay is. Mm, yeah. So yeah, the linear thing, we didn't really go into that, but like, yeah, there's almost like, you don't act, you don't really draw. Right. But there's like a kind of draw drawing like quality in the sculpture. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't been a conscientious like sketchbook keeper or something like that. in, a, in quite some time. I feel like I really get, obsessed with or like invested in making the thing that I'm making you know like I'm like making these paper forms and I just want to like get in here and go at them mm -hmm. uh, they're so specific but it's like so you hold the concept of what it will be just in your mind is that yeah and also like yeah I, ho I hold that the thing in my mind and it definitely, I'm sure, goes in and out of being intensely specific mm -hmm. and then completely, and then like much more unknown as I make it because it's shifting. Like I'm making this paper form right now, these, these two kind of um, forms that I stole from those um, tar patching pour pots. Do you ever see those when they're patching broken tar on the street? It's like a completely black tar covered cylinder. <laughs> <laughs> that they has a little like squirt tube at the end and they like they just like pour steaming hot tar into the cracks they're amazing things i want to look out for it but i'm not i can't it's so weird it's just like a jet black funnel yeah i can picture more the way the tar looks in the crack how it like bubbles over and it's like yeah <laughs> they just have like a steaming cauldron <laughs> but i uh, love those things and always have so i'm making two of them right now exactly the same and I'm gonna I'm putting them together into one form mm -hmm. which again is like it's an impulse to maybe to push away from the direct representation and they're really pretty together they make this whole new form when they're joined but 
but in my brain I had them joined and one was a, a certain color and the other was going to be another of a different newspaper wrapping it and I don't even have I mean I have them just in the tube for just in the rolled part they're not they don't have the paper facing them yet mm -hmm. and it, that is totally not what's going to happen like it's, that is not right <laughs> and that's pretty far away but I'm like oh man that is not there's no way that's going to work I'm not totally sure what the right answer is, but I think as I get further, maybe I'll know. There's definitely like trust to get to the next. Yeah. To the next to get to the next to see the thing. Yeah, that seems so exciting. Like, <laughs> I mean, I guess I do that with painting. Yeah, you must have that. Yeah, but I, I don't know. Somehow it's, um, like, I mean, sometimes I just paint make some bad painting and I paint it over and then I do it again and yeah exactly but you you must do that with like what you're painting yeah like a shift like you've painted like you like even painting like Courtney Love or something like moving to that must have felt like not knowing not knowing not knowing then being like okay so actually a really big Courtney Love is what yeah. it is and now I feel like I'm trying to move out of it, but I have to like transition out of it. You have to like go through it, like walk yeah, through it. Exactly. Like I want to transition into not working from a source image, but I feel like I'm not finished entirely with it yet. So I'm like easing out of it. Yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. Yeah. Um, um Let's see, I wrote some notes. Let me see if I have any other. Um, so I feel like, I don't know. Um, I was like thinking about your work and, and I was kind of thinking it has, like, I don't, I don't know what you're like, you mentioned that you sound new agey and I, like, which I'm totally on board with, but um, yeah, like, do you, are there other kind of fields of thought that you relate to or, or are inspired by in your work? Or do you feel like the work itself is like its own kind of spiritual practice or I don't, not to put words into your mouth, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's, I don't think that. <laughs> You're not putting them in my mouth. I think, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, re I love reading, but I really love reading fiction, mm -hmm. like reading novels. And maybe that's because my dad is an English prof. Oh. So always been, read, you know, always kind of been, had access to literature. <laughs> um, but I'm really into that. And I like the way that writing or storytelling um, can be transformed and can be invented and a world can be built inside something based on an experience or the outside world, but it um, can make its own world. I like that. I like things that are not like video games, but like the way that literature can be about world building. Yeah. Uh, I like the idea of like making a sculpture about a book to like that. It feels like there would be a huge amount of translation that would have totally. to happen yeah yeah so it would be super hard <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah okay. I, I, re I don't have like a um i don't study like a spirituality or anything <laughs> um, 
Yeah. Um, well, that what you were saying reminded me of like I'm reading 1984. I just start reading that, which I'd never read before. What do you think? I just read it again recently. I read it for the first time like a year ago and it blew my socks off. Yeah. I it's told so you it was weird. You like it? You're liking it? Yeah. I mean, I think it's very prescient to our times. I so, mean, also such, okay, so uh, unbelievably written, like virtuosically written in a way that I did not expect it to be yeah. so succinct, but also um, such an a beautifully told love story. Yeah, I know. I didn't expect that. Part. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Like, yeah, I just got to that part and I'm like into it. Like, it's I, like I like cried. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I so cool. forward to that. Like, yeah, like you think, I feel like it's one of those books that I feel I was like slightly embarrassed that I'm only reading it now because I feel Me like too. I have read it in high school or something, but. I'm also impressed by how deep it is beyond what you think it's about or something. Aren't you so glad you're, I was so glad I read it now. And yeah, not, so much. I mean, like a present for yeah, myself. Really, like, I don't know. So I was thinking about it when I was looking at that trench coat piece, actually. What do you think yeah. about that? <laughs> that trench coat piece? Yeah. yeah. I think there's, I don't know if I care about, ideas inherent to sci-fi in my work I don't know if I'm in other work for sure maybe but I don't know if that's in my brain mm -hmm. when I'm making them but I do think that there's I'm not sure what the connection would be but I like the connection yeah I mean that book went for I was like this might be my favorite book really oh that's so funny. it really was like blew my mind yeah it's blowing my mind right now I'm only about I'm yeah, I'm really into it and I'm glad I finally like it was like that thing of like oh well read it one day and then I'm so glad exactly but I guess with the trench coat I don't know it just I I maybe I'm totally well the trench coat itself feels like a garment like a spy would wear or something yeah <laughs> like it implies a kind of double agency or something and then it's like covered in all these eye button oh that one yeah that is yeah yeah sorry there i have this other one that has has a leather trench coat on this oh, side. oh. maybe oh i think i've seen that too but i forgot that one but yeah, yeah. yeah i don't know that one is interesting like so that's a piece that feels it's like extremely specific but it's also very strange and mysterious yeah it's also the pin is also just a a repeated pin of Bernie Madoff's eye from a oh. shot when he's going to court. <laughs> mm. it's, it like, uh, yeah, and the trench coat is almost like a dumb costume. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, it feels like uh, it could be a spy or like a, a private investigator. Yeah, like Dick Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just think that that, especially that particular type, that like khaki London fog style. Yeah. Is, um, I liked that it was, could be totally absurd, but mm -hmm. also a little sinister too. And then to, to fill it with the pins, this like uh, kind of punk um, intuition to cover something 
in pins, but just have it be the same Bernie Madoff eye that makes it look like it's like completely polyp covered or something. Like, cause it's, it's mm. just a zoom in on his eyes. So there's like his eye skin. It's like very pink. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That, that's a bizarre object. <laughs> I guess it was like, yeah, it's like the button was making me think of like party allegiance or something and oh yeah totally like a kind of surveillance or something like that yeah with the eye looking out endless eye yeah i agree i'm with you <laughs> do you um i just was like i feel like I've, i feel like the maybe the work seems like it's alluding to a political dimension more so in recent stuff but it doesn't like give anything away or something it might just be um yeah for sure i'm sure it's in better than the work for sure i mean i am a i'm a news consumer i'm like engaged politically i don't i don't like put it on the uh, cover of the work or, or something but it's in, embedded of course yeah. and maybe it comes out um in little spots or in attitude yeah uh of the object like the object's attitude sometimes yeah. if that is a not too uh weird of a phrase but they have attitude you know and i feel like there is something that occasionally can be like a yeah like a double middle finger in the air or something which i yeah i'm interested in which I think is nice about like, like that makes me go back to like what we started with of um, Felix Gonzalez Torres or even like Robert Gober or something where I feel like there is a strong political dimension, but it's not like, it's not like telling you what to think or um, I don't, it's not overpowering the whole vibe. Of the thing. Totally. Or like, like it feels like, very Yeah, that there's that you can have attitude, you can be political, your politic or your whatever can be embedded in your work. I mean it can live in any way you want. Uh, yeah. But it can it can just be embedded in your attitude or the way. Like mm -hmm. Gober's sorry, go ahead. Gober's like or like Ava Hesse or something. Like mm. she's the punkest yeah like the quiet punk punk <laughs> artist ever i mean that that stuff is like vicious yeah um but also super beautiful and yeah. delicate or whatever i think those kind of artists with that kind of attitude i always am jealous of <laughs> and want that like want that kind of ability to be so um so, so vicious but the the and and pointed but um having that be open and yeah. having it be an experience i really love yeah it's like very timeless in a way too and very human like it feels like it leads with being kind of human and yeah there's other things that relate to the time it was made or specific conditions but not it doesn't lean on them too heavily or something yeah totally it's funny that you I can like go to MoMA or somewhere and like see 
I don't know, see one of these artworks and just be like, you can have this feeling that's like, ah, ah, (laughs) exact thing that you're like wanting, but it was made 50 years ago or whatever. It's very gratifying. Yeah, they have very like, all those people I feel like have very transcendent quality. Like, I feel like I definitely got a bit teary-eyed at the Gober show and that was at MoMA. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, I would love, I wish more art would make me cry, actually. Like, it's hard to pull off. <laughs> yeah. Totally. That Gober show was unreal. Yeah. He's a real master. The best. <laughs> and I feel, I feel like you're in that, I feel like you're in that family with him in a way of like, you know, I don't know why those sinks. Are yeah. So haunting, but they really are. Yeah, I think I like, and they also do that thing where you can see them with no knowledge and have an experience with them that's powerful, and then know more about them and have an experience, and then figure something out new about them. Like I don't know. Like my experience, the last time I saw them, I think was at that moment show and I feel like I just had this bizarre bodily experience like relationship between my body and it and had this thought about like water passing through and I was oh my god that's all I do or so like my body's holding so much water or I don't know I it really was like oh Jesus Christ this like empty just this place where things pass through yeah the drains I think it's all about the drain yeah yeah the drain yeah, the holes and um, yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. It's like so deeply rich. I know. And it's so ordinary too. I think that's what's like so um, kind of confounding about it. Like how did he pull that out of something that we just have such a non Like how did he get us to see this thing fresh without really doing that much to change it on some level. Yeah, to change that. I mean, he made the, those things are made like crazy. Yeah. But the form itself is like, yeah, I mean, that's the mastery. Yeah. I don't know. It's profound. Yeah, those little, um, I mean, I, I basically loved everything in the show, but like those little um, evil cock eyes are so sad also. The what? And there's like, Every, they still sell them. It's called Table Talk. It's like a little pre-made pie that's in a little box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, yes. So, like, treacherously sad about them. And I don't... Devastated. <laughs> Completely devastated by the Table Talk. Yeah. <laughs> Rosemary Tropical or someone like that hits oh, those. Yeah. She's great, too. She hits that note sometimes. Yeah. He had like a giant like ceramic cheese grater. I liked a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that felt very punk to me. Mm-hmm. Totally. At all like attitude. Yeah. Which I like. Mm-hmm. Are you reading any books now? Yeah, I just finished this book called The Overstory. Have you heard of this book? Mm-mm. It was good. I thought it was going to, or I read the first half and I thought that my, I was like, oh my God, this is just like 
or it feels like a Jonathan Franzen book, like Freedom, which I read a while ago and just spiraled me. Like it's a very, it's a really well-written book, but it painted, I don't know. I had this reaction to it. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And it was like, made me feel really sad about people. Like it was pretty bleak. It felt really bleak about humanity or something. And it bummed me out. Um, and I was like, this is what this book is going to be. It's going to be, all the characters are going to like, I don't know, it's going to get bleak or they're going to be in trouble this whole book, but it really is not that. Um, and it's beautifully written and embeds this story. The, the, the thread that binds the whole story is about trees mm. as a, um, but trees, the organism and, and how they communicate to each other and how they sustain life and essentially a call to arms uh, or a call to um, action uh, to save uh, massively deforested trees and the environment. Wow. spoken through this really beautifully written and tied together story. Um, mm -hmm. But I learned so much about trees that made me so sad and also made me want to burn everything down to the ground <laughs> at the same time. Mm. How, how about planning some new ones? <laughs> planning some new ones for sure. But the problem is, is we're cutting down the oldest ones, the elders that when you, I don't know, see this is, you should read this book. It's. Wait, say the name of it again? The Overstory. Oh, The Overstory. But I also read this other book just now. Um, it was called Barely Human, I think it was called. Old Japanese Lit. Mm -hmm. I didn't like that one as much. Mm. <laughs> it felt, um, maybe people disagree, but I thought it was like uh, <laughs> selfish. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, the tree thing, I don't really know anything about trees per se, but I, it made me think of just that thing of like forests, how, how there's like, how burning is like also like a necessary stage or something. Like that's pretty yeah. poetic. <laughs> totally. And that the, in the book, they talk a lot about decomposition and that an old school of thought was that you had to clear the forest of decomposing trees. But the, one of the characters in the book who's a, who's a researcher makes the case that trees are potentially living their whole lives to die and be absorbed into the ground, decompose into the ground and feed the, the next uh, generation of trees and organ, microorganisms and, and soil, et cetera, that actually it's all a kind of um, generative process to get to the point that they die and can feed the next. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> insane. And they talk to each other underground through the, through the soil and through the roots and stuff. It's fun. Yeah. That's cool. That makes me think of like Thich, Thich Nhat Hanh, the like Buddhist uh, monk guy. I'm butchering this, but I don't know. He's all about like, like, you know, like everything literally is connected and like a part of each other. Just even if you just look at it on a scientific level, like yeah, totally. Like a piece of paper has like the sun and the clouds and like everything is like in it and yes. stuff. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I believe in that 100%. Yeah. So in a way, like reincar 
reincarnation is real, but maybe not in the way in like a yeah, you don't become like a hamster. Yeah. <laughs> you're, maybe you do. You're, or maybe you do. Your sentient <laughs> life just transfers to a hamster body. Nice. <laughs> but in a way, it's like, like, well, I don't know. If, I don't know what hamsters eat, but like, <laughs> you break down and you go into other things. And yeah. Come to other things. Yeah. Yep. I've, yeah, the the that interconnectedness of trees on that scale, I had no idea, and it yeah, I was like, oh man, this is tough, tough to deal with thinking about my own life or the world. Yeah. But great. I mean, good to know. Important to know. Yeah, I mean, I think with Not Han, it's supposed to be like um, I don't know. I mean, I guess. Maybe partly why 1984 resonates is because it does speak about this kind of like disconnection and like loneliness in a way. But uh, I guess I'm finding this character kind of breaks through that or whatever. But um, like that, if you think about that, like everything you touch is or everything you eat, even it's all like connected to other people and they're kind of generosity and or even the generosity of the way the world functions and the universe and stuff like that and so like it's meant to be kind of reassuring or something yeah (laughs) I can't it made me feel this book the overture I just was like oh man I was was so selfish I mean I know (laughs) that we're so selfish but it was like so and that we could we're and we're also so blind to what like the bounty that we live inside is so <laughs> unknown and, and beautiful and incredible and we're so such idiots <laughs> Me included. such a stupid idiot we're such stupid idiots <laughs> yeah big stupid idiot toiling away in here rolling up the paper yeah well that's like yeah i think about um I mean, I think being an artist is is such a like a Sisyphusian task, like to even, I don't know, it's daunting on many levels and and it takes a lot out of you just to do it. Yeah, totally. But the whole, I mean, it is really incredible when it gives, and it does like touch other people or, you know. Or you, I think it has the power yeah. to yield. Yeah. Yield something positive. Right. Real. Yeah, like it's, right. sorry, say that again? Something real, like it has the possibility of yielding something real. Yeah. To yeah. even just to you. Yeah, that's a good point. It isn't even, yeah, like you're, I think that, yeah, I think that in a way makes, like it is kind of a political act, you know, to do something that's real and to be invested in creating meaning and. Yeah. And it's not, doesn't, I think it can be like, it's kind of breaks beyond an intellect, it can be beyond an intellectual pursuit. It can be a a way of living or something yeah. and surviving that is 
valuable or powerful or um, even for a party of one or something, it can be a way to navigate the world. Yeah. And like, that's okay. I think, I think yeah. that's good. Not for everybody, you know, other people like totally validly like want to drive a boat around or I don't know. Yeah, we need people to drive boats around. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's, it is, um, yeah, it's a good reason to live. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs>